Hey everyone, it's Nick Bradley here and welcome to this week's show. So today we have a topic we're going to discuss that I have not had on the show before. I don't even think I've even got into this or touched on it. But that topic is alcohol. And more importantly, what impact does alcohol, drinking alcohol regularly, or maybe even having some issues or challenges with alcohol, have on entrepreneurship? Joining me today to talk about this is Rory Fairburns, and he is the founder and CEO of a business called One Year No Beer. Now, when I first heard of One Year No Beer, I thought, this sounds terrible. <laughs> like, how can, like, you know, if you go out for, with friends or you're kind of celebrating a business success or, you know, when I used to go and do lots of endurance events, ultra marathons and that, it was always nice to finish and celebrate with a nice cold pint of lager. But the more that I've got into entrepreneurship over the years, the more that I've realized that I need to show up as my best self all the time, not just in business, but at home, all the other challenges that we have. I mean, entrepreneurship is a game of sustainability. It's a game of attrition, meaning that like the people who can last the longest are the ones that tend to do the best in many cases. So I thought, you know what, why don't we get Ruri on the show and let's talk about his personal journey, which is a fantastic story in its own right. And why don't we touch on the things that we can change, the things that we can affect if alcohol is showing up in our lives in a way that's not serving us. The first thing they have to do is they have to get out of the belief that they're an all or nothing person, which most business owners seem to think they are, um, and change the belief to, I'm entirely in control. I am entirely in control. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's a bit of sharing on both sides. It's certainly something that I've been considering a lot more over the years, and I have definitely reduced my alcohol intake over the years. I still drink alcohol now and then, but not as much as I used to. And it's definitely had an impact on the success that I've had in my business. So my desire for you today is maybe this episode just opens up your mind to some different ways of operating. And maybe for those of you who, as I said, have had some challenges with alcohol in the past, maybe there is something here that you can lean into to help. We need to significantly subsidize and offer funding to the alcohol industry to create um, Alcosynth and alternatives and functional drinks. So sit back, relax, enjoy this very fun episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. Welcome to the show, Rory Fairbanks. Hey everybody, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up for another week. Today, we're gonna go down a slightly different path than business scale up, exits, acquisitions, all the boring stuff that you guys love me to speak about on a week to week, week by week basis. Because today's guest is Rory Fairburns, and I've probably mucked that name up. We were just joking. Did I nail Nailed it? it? Yeah, yeah. Ding, ding. Nailed it. And he is the founder, the CEO of One Year No Beer. And we are gonna be talking today about the impact that he's making around a very, very important topic that affects everyone, not just business owners and entrepreneurs. And we're also gonna talk a lot about kind of the importance, I think, of health and the relationship of health to how we focus, how do we become successful in all matters of life, but we'll definitely bring that back to a bit of a business slant as well. So Rory, welcome to the show. Great to be on the show with you, Nick. Thank you for that lovely intro. There we go. And I, I, I got the name right. Really? You, you nailed it. You okay. nailed it. Brewery. Yeah, don't worry. Like, As, brewery without the B. Which brewery is without the yeah. It's ironic considering that your whole business and brand is one year no Destiny. beer. Destiny. I was now, I've known you for a while. We met uh, on the circles, I think, of uh, this thing called Clubhouse. <laughs> That's right. When it all went mad. Yeah. <sighs> when everyone was locked up in their houses for months on end and bored. So they, they decided to go and talk to each other on these virtual stages. Yeah. But you know what's funny, right, is I met some great people there, you, other other business partners, all sorts. So actually, I think it was a, a good use of time, all things considered. Yeah, no, it was great. Absolutely. It was great. And um, it certainly passed the time. There was lots of inspirational chat. There was a lot. I think it was such a great sense of community at a critical time when we were all feeling so disconnected from everything. And I agree. you could actually be plugged in and connected. I mean, I remember, you know, like hearing people, oh, I, literally, I really need to switch this off now. You know, it's like 3 a.m. in the morning <laughs> oh, and I'm yeah. just with you guys. And I'm like, look, <laughs> this is not helping your mental health. Do get no. off. No. <laughs> And I agree with that because I, I was probably one of those people. There was a few there was a few times when I was kind of addicted to the conversation, right? But I think I think you know you're, you've hit the nail on the head. We were all in this kind of weird vortex of kind of just strangeness where 
a lot of our freedoms that we take for granted was taken away from us. Yeah. And that point of connection in any, sh in any shape or form was, you know, interesting and crucial to us. And it's funny yeah. now that when the world opened up, I don't think anyone really goes there anymore. Yeah, no, I know. It, uh, well, I went on, I clicked on not so long ago, actually, I would say two months ago. And Grant Cardone was on there going, why are you guys all still on here? I told you already, <laughs> fucking get to Twitter, you know? And he was like, nobody's on here anymore. I'm only here to get you guys to wake up and realize this is dying and you should come over to somewhere else. So yeah. there is no better promoter than Grant Cardone. I can promise you that. Yeah. Well, listen, let's get into, let's get into the beginning of this. As I said, this is a slightly different take on some of the things I normally talk about on scale up today, which I think is an important message. And and uh, important for people to kind of look at things in a more rounded way. But but one year, no beer. Where mm. did that start from? One year, no. Well, I always like to whistle Sounds back painful. to the, to no, the whole I know. It sounds like a long time doing something I don't want to do. Don't switch off yet, listeners, right? It's, <laughs> I'm not here just to ban alcohol or anything like that. It's about much more than that. Um, yeah, so a quick, quick whistle stop tour. I mean, um, I was like a almost a born entrepreneur, if there is such a thing, you know, it's like 13 years old, I was being entrepreneurial, 15 years old, I left school to set up my first business, five businesses by the time I was 25, called myself a serial failpreneur. It was just a Love messy, it. messy oh. disaster. And painful, horrible lessons like never have your accountant write your legal agreements. That one cost me a quarter of a million. Um, you know, just stupid shit like that that you're like, right, those are now etched in stone above my, you know, like do never forget these mistakes. Um, Can and, I ask um, you before we move on? Because I like to, did you ever repeat those mistakes a few yeah, times? Yeah. You, you did it a few I times. I mean, I'm then. that time of guy is just like, Dong, dong. I didn't oh. have my accountant write my legal agreements ever. That, I mean, that never happened. But other things like, you know, poor hiring or, you know, bits and pieces. I, 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 I sort of say to people, I feel my entrepreneurial journey is a bit like a, a robot Hoover, right? The first time you buy that robot Hoover and you set it down, it needs to knock off every single bump and wall in the house at least several times before it works out the journey. That's what my entrepreneurial journey feels like. It's just- I love that. And you know what? That, that's what it should be like. It's called the rite <laughs> of passage, right? Maybe, right maybe not passage. for too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I've been at it since I was 13 and I'm 42 now, so. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, so how many businesses in Almost. total do you think you've started? This is the sixth. Um, and, okay. and, and, um, you know, there's, there's, there's some questions there or one or two, they're probably more like projects than really serious businesses. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, so, but, um, after 25 sitting in the pub on the Isle of Mull, which is where I'm from and telling people about these, these, you know, failed businesses, someone leaned over to me and said, you know, where all those failed entrepreneurs go, they go on the apprentice. Why don't you apply? So, um, I finished my fifth pint and, um, went up, applied for the apprentice, after months, got accepted, went down for the beginning of series two uh, to go onto the show and um, stood outside the studio for hours and then eventually said, look, sorry, you're not going on the show. Um, we can't explain it. We'll fire you back to Scotland. Didn't want to go to Scotland for the rejection. So I took the next flight to Ibiza. Okay, um, pause, pause again. So this is, I didn't know any of this story and I've known you for a while. So hold on. So you applied to go on The Apprentice, which yep. is a show that I used to love, particularly back in the early episodes. Series two, I'm contestant number 15. So you've actually got on the show. They've said, Rory, you're on the show. Yeah, I'm in London. Uh, and you're there. Packed. You've got your your little bad carry-on case that they all have. They walk yep. out with you. got that thing. And you're dressed up and all that sort of stuff. Ready to go Everything. in. And Everything. and then they just don't let you in the door. That four hours coming in, coming out. Producer, right, quick, get ready. Call mum. I'm going. I'm, I love you. Bye. Nope. Sorry. Sorry. You're not going. You're not going on. And then no, and then eventually they came out and said, look, I can't explain it. You're not going on. Can't um, explain it. You must have thought about this. What does that mean? I, I don't know what it was um, uh, in the end. I, th I think, you know, sometimes they have some reserve people or they don't know if everybody's going to show up on the day. But also they gave a kind of hint that they had somebody who they thought was a red flag, um, who they didn't know whether they were just going to get rid of immediately. So um, anyway, so I never. And that was, never and that was you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they've got to have they've the got to have the wild card on. They're probably thinking, you know what? This guy has started so many businesses and not done very well. He's going to get it right this time, and that's going to wreck the show. We need someone who still has the training wheels on. Yeah. Well, I mean, later because I um uh, my boss said to me, he's like, Ruri, um, you know, people who go on that show, they're either you know, um, they're either good at business or good at TV. Which one are you? And I'm like, I'm definitely good at TV. <laughs> there you go. That's that's why they should have kept you. But but then we jump on a plane to Ibiza. 
Yes. Um, and uh, to get over my rejection, um, went kind of crazy and bumped into an oil broker at the bar and got chatting and As you heard do. my story. Yeah. And he was like, you should definitely be an oil broker. Um, and that's kind of what then propelled me down to London. Um, there was quite a few months of training and working out and I had to take a massive leap. I mean, in that time, I'd got myself a job at a um, as a director at a land um, research, uh, sort of land finding place, real estate business. Um, very, very tech enabled, really interesting. 65K a year and a car, like great. And here awesome. they were offering me 23,000, moved down to London, no help, nothing, right? And I was like, why would I do that? And the guy I'd met in Ibiza just said, you're going to have to trust me. You have to you have to just forget about that number. That number is going to be irrelevant within months. Just get your ass down here. Very good decision. I mean, very good financial decision to move down to London and be an oil broker. I was there for 13 years. Oh, wow. Uh, so you, you actually took, so this was a 23K a year gig in, when, in day one. Yep. And I take it the more successful you are at brokering oil, the more the commissions add up and it oh, becomes yeah. lucrative and all that stuff, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I got up close to seven figures. Seven figures is one of my highest, highest earning years. Um, wow. So, you should have just yeah. done that forever. Yeah, well, that's what many people said. We're going to yeah. get onto that in a second. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I started on I started on crude oil, made a name for myself, you know, basically paid to party. I arrived onto this desk, lots of senior guys, like, can't be asked to go out with people. And they were like, okay, you need to go and entertain all our clients. I was like, okay, so you want me to take them out and, and get them smashed? Yeah, that's basically your job. And so I'm the, I'm the guy. I, I went back to London just recently and I bumped into some traders I used to know from 10 years ago and they were like Ruri I will still never forget it's still the best ever party the industry has ever known is the party that you put on at IP week and we rented out this club and we had everything there we had midgets there it's true oh my God. everything it was just bananas oh my <laughs> so, god <laughs> so that was my job that was my job so this um, is a wolf of wall street moment so you're kind the, of a jordan Belfort type of situation here a lot like, of fun i can i can see it i can visualize it already <laughs> so i fit wow. right into that yeah yeah and um but you know met my wife and and start to get sensible and all of this coming home at tuesday at five o'clock in the morning um it wasn't very give confused. me a time check on years here so were you did you say you're 25 or something when you're going to do the apprentice yeah so 25 i think 26 um i i and so 26 i was when it went to the apprentice and yep. then i went down to london 27 um and um kick-started that career um uh, met my wife 28 got married 31 um so yeah got it roughly <laughs> technical questions <laughs> right i'm so sorry i'm a curious guy I, the, the story is such a good story i just want to kind of i'm, I'm delving into it now let's go continue <laughs> yeah so um so anyway, um, you know, amazing career, so so good. And I left crude, set up jet, made it market leader. They said you will not get into that market. It's impossible. It's already signed up by the big inter broker dealers. You'll never do it. And I crushed the competition. We made it market leader in in under three years. So just again, I'm gonna keep doing this. You're gonna hate this, but I like I like doing it. So I'm going to. How did you do that? How did you break into a market that everyone said that you wouldn't be successful in? I think, I mean, well, you can put some things down onto that. Like I, I had done so much sales um, in my past, the things I missed out before. I did some door-to-door -door sales, top salesman in Scotland. I did a bit of a sales experience in between yep. running these companies. I actually ran a sales agency, which is one of my businesses, um, doing outsourced sales. So I had all this experience. And plus, I'd taken on some investment. I'd negotiated deals at high level. So I had this credibility and understanding where I was working with other younger brokers who just come out of university. Um, and um, not not the more senior guys. So I think math was incredibly important and yep. being able to be fast with the numbers. Um, being able to drink is extremely important. I would never, ever get out of control. I could drink from midday through to six o'clock in the morning and I'll be wild. I'll be the guy swinging off the chandeliers, but I'm 100% remembering what's going on in my brain. I didn't wake mm. up and go, I can't remember what happened last night. I could have conversations with people and still remember. So... A lot of the broking stuff was done out at night partying with these guys. That's where the relationships were made and built. And then I, I, I also think one of the things I was successful at is I removed the barrier between 
this is how I am at work and this is how I am at person. So I invited these traders, the handful, into my life and they would hang out with the weekend. And that was probably one of the greatest things I could do. Yeah, okay, so you know, deep, deep, proper connections here as opposed yeah. to a transactional relationship. Lifelong, lifelong. And I'm still strong friends with those guys now. So once you've made those relationships. So when I went across into Jet, right, into a new market, I had these guys from Crude, which is the big daddy market. Jet is just like the little aviation, little market over here where people train and one day they'll hope to be in crude if you like the i had the crude guys going oh talk to Ruri. he knows exactly what he's doing he's been in crude and done these amazing parties and blah 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 so i had kind of shoes in like that that helped That's me come it. into the market in a big way awesome so, yeah okay so you're making a lot of money in this in this industry and absolutely kicking ass and then what um, yeah, build up the desk, the, the, the desk to number one. Um, but um, in the back of my mind, I'd, I'd, and it wasn't just in the back of my mind, you know, alcohol wasn't a problem. Nobody said to me, you've got a problem, right? I, I, I never showed any signs of being a problem. I drank a lot because it was part of my job and entertaining. I never carried on. I didn't wake up in the morning and need a drink. There wasn't like any signs. So you weren't like, as problem. they would say, an alcoholic. No, of course. But you I were drinking. Like give, us a, give us a sense of how much were you drinking every day? No, 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 no. I mean, I'd be partying. Um, so I could go out for lunch and you'd do quite a lot of booze. I'd go out and um, maybe a lunch or two a week, maybe one evening out with clients and then out, you know, an evening or two with friends at the weekend. So okay. you could be drinking quite a few times a week, but then some weeks not drinking at all. You know, so you might go for a week or two and not. So have technically, what has been defined, and you'll know the more expressive term of this, but kind of binging on it. Binging. So you're, yeah. yeah. So when you're on it, you're drinking a lot, and it's a long session, but it's not necessarily having to wake up at nine a.m. and have you know cornflakes yeah. and a scotch. But to 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 do well in the broking market, it's power drinking, not binge drinking. Right? I'm tapped on the shoulder by one of the crew, senior crew guys. He goes, "You're coming to lunch with me. We're going to BP." I'm like, "Okay, great. It's a massive opportunity for me. Let's go." He says, "Okay, we're going to try and beat the record today. What's the record? Uh, the most number of bottles of white wine drunk between four at lunch." I'm like, "Okay, what's the record? Thirteen. Oh, see, I, I don't have your superpower. I'd be under the table. I'd be asleep. Literally, I've, I've done 11. things before where I've got on the train at King's Cross and ended up at." Newcastle, right? Because yeah. I was supposed to get off at Peterborough. <laughs> yes. That was, that, yeah. That's my superpower, that's, right? That's, Sleeping. Yeah, Not good. Yeah. Okay. No, I would never do that. I would never, I would never lose that control after alcohol, which also meant that facilitator I could drink a lot um, because I Got didn't it. have that, didn't have that part. Um, so but what, yeah, was, the, was, what was the epiphany then? Like there's a point here where you've said this lifestyle isn't serving me, but it's not affecting you kind of like, what well, doesn't sound too physically, but but yeah. what was the what was the thing the thing that happened that made you think you know what I need to change this? Well, there's a number of factors. There's an okay. upset wife often, which which and you know she is a Viking maiden, shield maiden, right? So an upset oh, wife is is two black eyes, not quite, but yeah. She's I, I get what you're saying, and they also, there's that exactly. saying, "Happy wife, happy life," right? So you don't want to get in that situation. No. I get that. And there was yeah. quite a lot of tension into there, but then also. After I changed my relationship with alcohol or when I took a break from it, I then realized how fucked up things were. And I didn't really like I'm like what? IBS. Right. So I just I was like, I've got IBS. I just have a constant sore tummy. I have pains. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to go into more detail of what IBS is. Um, and, and, I, and I really struggle with that. I'm basically depressed. I'm miserable. Sometimes I come into work and I'm crying, literally uncontrollable crying on the way into work. Like, like, like want to jump in front of a train low. I am even and though that's the I depressive have, state of alcohol. Yeah. Of regularly that, drinking alcohol. But there's because you weren't upset with anything other than that. Right. There was no other stuff going on in your life at that point in time. No, really? The, the success is there, right? Big right. house in 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 Buckinghamshire, the cars, the 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 dream life, the model wife, like on the front, looking like the absolute dream life, and yet miserable. And I think mm. this was all the 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 understanding that came. But the real epiphany moment, the actual moment of when I took a break, um, was I was determined to try and understand why my wife was so angry. And um, I wanted her to change and she wanted me to stop drinking. And it's kind of like this loggerhead, right? Where both of you want somebody else to change. When okay. the truth is always, as I know now, is that if there's an issue in a relationship, it's usually you and you need to do the change. And when you do that first, that's when your relationship will move forward. That's the bit. I why learned. was she angry? Um, very, very traumatic childhood. Okay, I mean, right. So that he, wasn't because you were out drinking and all the time and you weren't around. It was, well, it, that might have been. Well, that's part of it. That's part of it. Like, but I was, it's not that I wasn't around. I'm a great, I was now got kids. I'm a great father. People all say I'm a great father, but it's just like, hey, you know, and, and so all of that mixed in 
together. So I thought, right, I'll find, I'll find out about the anger. So I did this anger management program and on it, it said alcohol and coffee are the two biggest instigators of anger. So I thought, okay, great. I'll, I'll put my, I'll, better put my coffee down then. I'm Mind five days in to no caffeine. It's decaf. It's decaf. <laughs> in fact, no, it's true. I only ever drink decaf, whatever that bloody means, but it kind of, maybe it, it fuels the taste of coffee without making me go crazy. But yeah. you're right. If I have, I can't drink too much of it. And I went on a, um, Slight segue, I went away to this health retreat a few years back in um, Spain and I went off caffeine for about 10 days. Like it's a pretty mm. extreme thing. And I, I had literally convulsions. I mean, headaches, like yeah. physically. Yeah, unreal, isn't it? When you go off something that you're obviously addicted to exactly. and you see it happen, it's crazy. That's, well, there's some magic in there. That's why I say, if you say, oh, I can't do that, you should do it. Because relying on anything like that, there's some subconscious stuff that's holding you back. And there's always something great on the other side of it. So that's like the the challenge. And so anyway, um, my in, in trying to find a, a way forward, I thought, right, I'm going to take a break from alcohol. And that's that's I approached my boss and I said, I'm going to take a break from alcohol. And he said, you're committing commercial suicide if you stop drinking. Um, and I built up the desk to be number one. It took me six months to pluck up the courage, took a break. And honestly, it was just very, very quickly. It was Technicolor. All the lights went on. What, what felt, does a break mean? I did 90 days in the beginning. Okay, I was aiming so 90, 90 days. days. So most people do this I've done kind months of before. Done, you yeah. know, dry January or whatever. Yeah, but this that. is this is like we're going to do a quarter of a year, effectively. We are going to exactly. not drink. And you didn't drink a thing. Nope. No Totally, that's it. Gone. Okay. Still out, still entertaining. No booze. Um, wow, that must and... have been fun. They must have thought you were the most exciting guy at the table. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, it's like you know, because I sometimes, when I I drink not much, but I if I do, I'll have a beer now and then, right? That's like, but it's funny, if you go out to a social situation and I might choose not to drink that particular occasion, some people really accept it, right? And other people find that it's almost like, you know, you've killed their second kid or something. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, you're wrecking my night because... I want to drink and you're not drinking. And it's kind of like a window into them or I don't know. Exactly. Right? <laughs> they get so triggered. There's there's so much interesting science behind the the behaviors around alcohol. We now understand, you know, what you're touching into there is basically tribalism and sense of identity. Um, and people really struggle when somebody is leaving the tribe. And that's why they try and bring you back. You know, have a drink. Come on. Yeah. You know, because it's so ingrained. In it's the crab society. in the bucket. You know, the crab in the bucket thing. Is it Okay. For people who don't know the crab in the bucket thing, apparently there's this thing you can do where you put all these crabs in a bucket right and if one of them tries to kind of get out the others will pull them all back into the bucket now i don't know what it what it is it's probably a tribal thing whatever else but it's literally if you try and do something outside of the norm of yeah. your, your social no. group or your peer group yeah you'll get pulled back it's the it's the same concept why you know people say that you're the sum average of the five people you spend time with and if you hang out with people who are doing things that are you know maybe not where you want to be in life unless you change that environment you're still going to get sucked into it yeah, exactly. Interesting. Well, yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's another thing is so, so important to belong to people um, who are who are living how you want to live if you want to make the change. It's so key to changing bad habits. Um, so I I, um, I decided to break. Everything got technicolor. And then I was like, right, I'm going to carry on for a year. Um, and um, that and then carried on for a year. And that's kind of where the idea started to come through for One Year No Beer because I was like, you know, People, there's nothing out there for somebody who is not a problem drinker. This is what, you know, eight years ago now. Um, there is nothing out there for somebody who just wants to take a break from booze. And I wanted to, you know, we, we Andy and I, who's another broker, we wanted to create something that that was, that, that, that sort of sounded like a challenge, sounded like something positive to do that you could be proud of in the pub, you know, brag about, like, I'm going to do a tough mudder, right? So that's kind of where the idea came from. And, um, and just on that, so you did the 90 days and then you said you're going to do it for a year. Mm -hmm. Did you ever drink again after that? Did you stop at a year and go to a party and have a few being just, just a, almost like a sense check to say, actually, is this real? And how did, how did that work? Or did you just continue and not drink again? So, um, I did a year alcohol free and then I went in to have a few drinks and I went out to, to, to meet. So I was going, I want to have some drinks. And there was a big queue at the bar. And um, I walked straight up there and I thought, fuck it, I'll get two. And the night carried on like that. And the following day, I was throwing up in the toilet um, with my daughters beside me, one of them crying and my wife storming out the door. And I was like, okay, um, this is abstinent. <laughs> this is something really interesting, but abstinence does not equal control. Um, and that's kind of what set me on another journey of discovery of what is it to get control, which is actually 
many, many, many times more complex than abstinence. So One Year No Beer has been helping people take a break from abstinence for years, nearly a decade now, right? Very successfully. And last year, we actually launched a new program to help people get control. And it is far, far more complex. Um, so just explain that. I mean, uh, let me let me explain what I think you're saying, because mm -hmm. I'm so basically, if I decide, and, and I'm a bit like this, actually, like if I give myself uh, an inch around some sort of commitment that I make, it's much easier for me to break that commitment. Right. Whereas if I say I'm not going to drink alcohol, I did this, I did this same thing for you, like 90 days. Um, because I'd made that commitment to not even have a sip of alcohol for 90 days, it was very easy for me to maintain that commitment. Whereas if I said I'm only going to have a drink on Saturday nights, it could easily then become Sunday nights. Is that is that kind of what you mean about control? It's there must be a really interesting psychological part about this as well in terms of it how it works. It is huge. There's lots of factors. So, And this is what we've put into the program of complete control now, which is aimed predominantly at business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, but ultimately, alcohol is just the 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 outcome. Alco alcohol is just the outcome. And it's, if it's a compulsive behavior, so in the world, they use the addiction word. But as soon as you use that word, everybody runs out of the room and says, that's not me. So we don't use that word. We use compulsive behavior because it's really right. simple. Is it is Are you doing something compulsively to numb out, right? To try and numb out the end of the day or to take the edge off or any of those things. And if those behaviors exist, then there are core reasons that drive that behavior. And so we use alcohol, the conversation of alcohol, hey, is alcohol showing up a little bit too much for you in business and life and whatever it is to get people into the room to do the work they need to do to remove the compulsive behavior? And that is what is life changing for people. Totally. So let's, can we unpack that a little bit here? Because I think yeah. it'd be good for people to understand exactly what <laughs> that means. Yes. So I, I get the idea that, well, let, let's start off with this then, and then we can get into kind of this piece. But if I'm, let's say I'm I'm happy with relationships, happy, happy with business, uh, all those other kind of areas of my life, but it's it's just super intense. Mm -hmm. In other words, I haven't learned to say no enough, right? which is a, yep. a common trait with entrepreneurs and business owners. And I'm working hard. And then at the end of a, a long day, it might be a 12 to 15 hour day, like too much than what I'd probably want to do, but I'm doing that for a period of my life. And I want to have a glass of wine at the end of the night. What's happening there? Okay. So um, well, I say that because I think that's a relatable story to a lot of entrepreneurs and be interesting to see your completely. take on that. So I think, first of all, people have no idea what is driving it, right? And that, that I would say that from every single person who's been through our program now, over 120 people um, who've been through the this core this program. One, yeah. yeah. Um, is, is that they had no idea of the factors until we showed them under a limelight. But I think when, if you look at the top one, so number one is usually trauma. Now, when I that's what goes along hand in hand with the addiction word, everybody runs out the room like I don't have any childhood trauma. That's not true. Everybody does. Childhood is fucking traumatic. Well, birth Full is stop. traumatic. You know, you, it, I'm not going to go into the details of exactly. What, we've all been born, right? And it's not exactly. I I couldn't imagine you know screaming when you're getting ripped out of someone like. <laughs> Exactly. It's not fun, is it? Well, There's the way we there. do birth as well, the way we do birth, like if you look at mammals, none of them go and do all this crap that we do. What they do is they go off somewhere quietly. And anyway, let's okay. not get into that. So <laughs> that, that's trauma, definitely going off a tangent, but okay, we yeah. got it. Okay. Trauma is trauma's a major factor for people. Um, and this is what's so life-changing for people because many people haven't done any work on this. They haven't even looked back. They're like, well, I, I had a great childhood. I had a great growing up. No, you didn't. <laughs> you, there are, is stuff. And what these things do is they create patterns, those patterns that we run every day, all the time. We're running this pattern. I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. Yep. Now, uh, it took me some time to discover mine, my own work. We, I use the modalities that we use in this program for myself. This is how I discovered it. But what I found was an event at two years old that nobody had ever talked about. Okay. Parents didn't talk about, nobody talked about. It wasn't like this conversation about this thing where I fell off the boat. I fell off the boat and nearly drowned. My dad took a while to come up from the underneath, realized, dived down to save me. Now, they had to save me. And that was the pattern running in my head. How did that play out? I looked for relationships of people to save me. I created moments where I was so close to the edge falling up, but I always knew somebody was there to pull me back. In my business, I was always looking for a silver bullet to save the business. There was all this suffering. So how did all you the work time. that out? Like, unless, because because I had something similar happen to me recently. Well, not that recently, a while back. We'll explain. But how did you find the two-year-old thing? Yeah. Did you have parts. to go into some form of regression or some sort of hypnosis? Yes. 
it was meditation and with a with a a coach basically and it's yeah. the style of coaching that we use here what we do is we follow breadcrumbs of things that you're doing today the things that you are doing today and we have a conversation and follow those breadcrumbs back and we will find it we will we've found oh, it with everyone who's come through because and, you're not going to remember a lot of this stuff when don't. you're younger anyway like it's well, too you know the brain I, I can remember going off. to star wars when i was about seven yeah <laughs> that's about it exactly right? No, the brain switches it off. That's the whole point about trauma. You say, I didn't have any trauma. Well, that's what the brain is designed to do. It it numbs it out. It ignores it. And then you're running these patterns. So did you remember so, this when you when 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 the breadcrumb was followed back and and I, I presume you explored this with family and asked the question as well as to whether that happened or you didn't need to? I've got feeling and I've got the railing and and that's about it over the time. Wow. And and but the rest has come from family telling me about what happened in that moment. And what happened when, 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 when you linked, realized sorry, yeah. I'm gonna keep butting in as I do when you realize that 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 yeah. um trauma was driving lots of the decisions in your life what happened it's massive the realize the awareness is 50 percent do you like okay, cry that's, or? A, that's like not a scientific of course like there's lots of emotion around it but then also what you do is you you meditate into it and you try and feel it more so there's actually a second event at six years old where I had meningitis nearly died and um, six years old and under who have near-death experiences contact PTSD, and that's recurring nightmares. I never understood the recurring nightmares that I had all the way through my 20s, that I was probably using alcohol and drugs to self-medicate because of these events in the past. So those events shaped my life in a huge way, and we all have them, and we're still running them today. That's what's so fascinating. So, so someone who is drinking maybe more than they think they should or whatever, whatever, how we would define that. It might actually be trying to mask something that happened that they have no Completely. real memory of, Completely. but the stress is probably showing up in their, in their life anyway, but it's not necessarily because of the stuff that's happening in that moment or that situation. Well, the, well, lots of people build businesses to try and run away from themselves, right? They're, they're, they're addicted to work. They're, they're, they're addicted to work. And That's doing not a smart idea. Because they can't, don't, 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 no. anyone listening to this, don't start a business if, if you want to run away from business because you're going to get very addicted to work. Yeah, run <laughs> away from yourself. For, run away because you can't be with yourself. That's the part. Right. But this is one element, right? The other element you mentioned, stress. Stress is absolutely key. Stress is the bullet train that drives compulsive behavior into the now. You cannot sustain that level of stress high without needing to numb out. If you look at Stephen Covey's um, urgent, mm -hmm. not urgent, important, not important, and you spend all your time in one, just frantic, frantic, got to reply to this, answer, 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 you always divert back to quadrant three. And so that's where you numb out social media, Netflix, drinking alcohol. So what we do is we use a, a device that helps us remotely monitor their central nervous system. And we can show them in data when they're in fight or flight or in recovery. And we show you minute by minute. Now, here's a perfect example of coaching you might do. You say, look, see that board meeting you had right there. Look how intense that is on your central nervous system. Then you don't get any recovery afterwards. If you just follow some very simple breathwork exercises, which will take you literally two or three minutes afterwards, you'll send your central nervous system back to recovery recovery and you'll not be in, in fight or flight for the rest of the day. So it's that's a bit of coaching work with technology that we use. The second bit of technology we use is the aura ring. So we track their meditation, exercise, breath work. Yes. So if they don't meditate for a day, they get a phone call from the accountability team, right? We are on top. And you know, we had this guy half a billion. So you're, you're, sorry, you're measuring the meditation because on the app, the aura app, they have the meditation stuff now. So you're, exactly. you're monitoring that. So this is not just about their sleep as, as aura rings for people who don't know what an aura ring is both um, Rui and I have one yep. and I love it. My favorite piece of tech, it kind of it. helps me manage and monitor how I'm feeling for exercise and other things, but it's also got heaps of other stuff in there. We're not necessarily affiliates, well, I'm not affiliated with it, but I just recommend good stuff. But yep. yeah, so you can track all that for your clients effectively exactly. that you're coaching. That's awesome. And we're, co and we're coaching them around all that data. So we had a guy come on the program um, recently and he said, Rory, I mean, this program is phenomenal. First of all, you do a you do a bad job at telling people this is anything to do with alcohol. It's got nothing to do with alcohol. Well, this, this is, is a life-changing program. The second thing he said was, I've coached one-to-one -one with Bob Proctor and one-to-one -one with Tony Robbins. I've signed up to all the personal development programs out there, and I have never seen a program. I, no, I have. This program has changed me more and had a bigger impact on me than all those other programs because of the data and the evidence that you show of me changing over time. And that's the compelling element, is adding in the data to drive that behavior change. Very good. And in terms of building out 
the various strategies and tactics and different things that are recommended or coached. How did you yep. work that out? I mean, obviously there's lots of fantastic information out there about breath work and cold yeah. therapies and all these different things, but how exactly. did you package, how did you package all that? Good, but great question, but I'm, I'm the guinea pig. I've put myself through everything, right? I've been at the German neuroscience hospital with brain imaging software. I've like, I'm the guinea pig being pronged, proned and everything else because I saw addiction still inside me. Like I saw compulsive behavior and I was like, hey, I'm still doing these behaviors. Therefore, what is it? And kept finding it. Um, so well, there's that part. A, it's B, I absolutely love it. I love the science and I love bringing that science and trying to put it into something compelling specifically around alcohol because nobody else is, right? The, the, what I see out there, you know, when we first showed our program to, to NHS and to Alcohol Concern UK, they said, we want to have a look under the lid. They were like, you're miles ahead of us. That was just a digital course, right? With some, some positive psychology and NLP and bits and pieces like that in we we have an opportunity to be very advanced here in preventative healthcare with helping people change their relationship with not just alcohol but any yeah. kind of compulsive behavior because this is where you know it's like um it's like when carphone warehouse which is a uk brand was was born here in the uk and then of course people don't know what the hell a carphone is right because yeah. <laughs> yeah so when you look at one year no beer what I you know. just what you just described is yeah you know, applicable to lots of different situations. I, the thing that came to mind as you were speaking, if I just say this is like, so my, my daughters are 11 and eight and my 11 year old is like, kind of doesn't even under, understand the concept of why people would drink alcohol. Now, of course she's yeah. 11, so she's not whatever, but it's funny. I was talking to another friend who's got teenage kids and their, their kids were saying the same thing, saying that, oh, alcohol is a bit grubby. Why would you do that sort of thing? Mm, now they have exactly. different addictions, like they're permanently Love on hunts. TikTok. Yep. <laughs> But, but what you're saying here to some extent is, okay, maybe in our sort of, you know, age group or whatever, there was a thing where alcohol was a big thing that may change in the future. It may not even, you know, some of our kids may never even think about alcohol. They might have something else, but it's still an addiction. Yeah. How are you going to flex this program? Yeah. Well, I think let's, let's just start off stay. We all know about niched, right? We all know about blue ocean. Yeah. 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 Right. So I'm mega niched, stay niched. Blue ocean, massive. What's the How many business owners, senior leaders, and executives in the world are drinking too much right now? Right. Oh, okay. God. Well, that's a billion turnover business already, if not more. So, yeah, you're right. I could spread out into lots of other things, but for now, let's just stay super niched and focused in into where we are. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying the word focused. How coached am I? Oh, you are. Look at that. You've changed, Rory. You've changed. 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 <laughs> but I, but I, I do think you know, and and I'm sure you've gone backwards and forwards on this a lot. <clears throat> And it would be amiss of us not to talk about business around your business since you're on the show. But I, but I think there, there is absolutely clarity on the idea that the, the this very specific problem that you help solve to a very specific person is very, very clear. Yeah. I also wonder sometimes if people connect with it from the alcohol side. What I mean by that is, you know, when someone loves something too much mm -hmm. or they think they love something too much. And Tony Robbins talks about this all the time. You have to have an event. Or, or something that shows you the, totally. the pain. It's, exactly. it's a, the classic example is the, the guy who smokes too much and his daughter comes in and says, I'm oh, sorry, he's tried to quit for years, unsuccessful, unsuccessful. Daughter comes in and says, oh, daddy, you're going to die from cancer. And then he stops straight away because the pain yeah. of that thought. How does, how does that kind of work here when people exactly. are kind of, I haven't really got an alcohol problem. I'm just having my red wine. 100%. So this, this is the art. This is the art because you, in AA, right? They yep. say, look, go away and come back when you've hit rock bottom. I'm sorry. What right? does that mean? Uh, well, go away and just drink yourself to absolute death. Fuck your life up. And when you're ready, come back. Okay. Hang on a minute. I don't mean to bad mouth AA, but that is some of the things they say. And of course, not all of them. And it's a wonderful organization. It has been it's successful many, many people. in terms many of many people. Yeah. Okay. Many people. So I have full respect for AA, but let's do things differently. We can create our own psychological rock bottom. What we need is awareness. And that is where we just guide people. We help them to get the truth and the awareness. Awareness is the absolute critical step to changing any bad habit. It's the first step. You can get awareness by reading about the books, about learning about it, about working with a coach and a therapist and being honest and talking openly about it. You can get awareness by meditating. And, and, and med meditation builds incredible subconscious awareness, brings it into the conscious of the truth of what this thing is doing to you and what you're looking mm, for. So awareness is the critical step for people first. And once they get the awareness, the truth is 
we are all suffering if you are drinking alcohol regularly. You are all, we are all suffering. That's the truth, right? And so if I can just help people to see that, the truth of that they are suffering when they are drinking alcohol, then they're going to find that place that they want to change. And the big bit for us now is just to say, look, this is really simple. Peak performance and regularly drinking alcohol cannot coexist. That's a full stop. Look at all the data. We'll show you in data. We'll show you in evidence. And when the compelling vision of themselves, which is to be more productive, to be more successful, to be calmer with their kids and family, to have more peace, you know, to feel less sad, anxious, depressed, you know, all of that stuff, and actually what they want is to be up here, then the decision is easy. So really, it's taking somebody through that journey. Wow. This is cool, man. This has progressed a lot since Clubhouse days. <laughs> yes. And there's one more thing I think you, which you which you touched on because the greater vision, the greater vision here was never to to help just a few, right? Of course, this is a wonderful vehicle now. We're starting to work with health insurers. We're starting to work with some corporates. This is starting to explode for us. It is very, very exciting. And, you know, this is amazing to be able to serve this market and all of those typical analogies where you've got to have so much customer support and there's so much frustration with a 50-pound product and then people will spend 7K and you know, just happy and no issues at all, right? It's an easier market to serve, the greater outcomes because they're invested in it, blah, 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 blah. It was never the vision and it still isn't the vision. It's great right now as a vehicle, but I want to impact millions, if not billions of lives. And I think we have the opportunity here. So I have a phrase, which is that prevention should always swim upstream. And what I mean by that is how can we help people earlier? And so my my once we have started to really scale this, the plan is to start get back. We have actually built three apps. Um, so is to get back into the app building world to tap into either the creation of our own wearable or hopefully Aura Ring will have sweat in it. And when Aura has sweat in it, then we'll be able to track so accurately alcohol. Well, we talked about embedded partnerships, Rory. Remember this? Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're going to help me with that now. You've given the full thing. Well, so, I have. I know exactly that because that's that's the way you scale it. You don't try and necessarily do it yourself. But that's a separate yeah. podcast. A um, yeah. couple of questions to finish yes. off with, because I'm just really curious to go a bit deeper on this. So the whole abstinence, you know, that's it, cold turkey, I'm out, versus yep. the awareness that actually alcohol doesn't necessarily make you at the highest level of peak performance, but the choice to have it now and then. How does that work in the program? Do people go through that and go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to work on my relationship with alcohol, but actually my decision is still to have it knowing what it is and what it isn't. Or do most people go in and go, you know what? I have an absolute epiphany kind of uh, red, blue pill thing <laughs> change, I, you know, paraphrasing the matrix. And they suddenly say, actually, that's it. I'm done. H what's the usual typical thing that you see? Or is it a mix? So we're going to take you through an eight-week program, and we're going to dive deep into the core reasons why alcohol is showing up the way in your life. And if we find some significant things, we do a little school report at the end where we show you back all of your data and all of the information that we've gathered over the time and how you've transformed and things like that. But we also show you our recommendation going forward in a traffic light system. Okay. And so if there is significant childhood trauma, and we have had unbelievable trauma and we've also had people with no um, you know generally had a great upbringing but they've found issues in business or their um, what's very common and we miss some of the things like relationships meaning and purpose you know all of these th factors are what we're digging out over the eight weeks so um that is our recommendation for people going forward now 93 percent of people are alcohol free coming out of the program most people continue on alcohol free for some time if they choose to then start controlling their drinking, we will support them on going through that control because the first thing they have to do is they have to get out of the belief that they're an all or nothing person, which most business owners seem to think they are, um, and change the belief to I'm entirely in control. I am entirely in control. And so we actually create scenarios with them to do that. You're going to go here, you're going to have one drink, or you're going to have half, and you're going to come home with the sole idea of going I am in control. control so them. that is just building a neural pathway inside. So it very, very much depends on the person. I would say that more than half people come through it and they've got an awful lot of traffic lights and they're like, I don't even want to bother with that shit. Like, I don't want to add that back in now. I feel so good. I'm going to carry on alcohol free. My big things are one, abstinence does not equal control. Full stop. In, all, in fact, I invite some scientists now on the on the podcast myself. We have a podcast um, that show that often periods of abstinence make it worse. And that is because people, you can be a business owner, show up big in the world, bigger, big business. You've got self-control. You've got willpower. If you're using those to change your relationship with alcohol, then you are making it most likely making it worse. 
right? So, so understanding that 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 dynamic, um, and I think the other thing is, um, I talked myself into a hole. Where was I? It's okay. Uh, well, we were ta- we were talking about uh, the the concept of abs- abstinence overall, and Thank the idea, you. I suppose, trying to control. Yes. learning that. You you can edit that out. No, we never edit out ever, <laughs> ever, ever. Like if the dog no comes edits. in, if the coffee machine breaks, whatever, and I smash the machine, like whatever, never. Well, Even I if we have, have to fight, do on my podcast. I have to clap those because I talk myself into a hole all the time. Like, no, 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 where no, did no. I go? Oh, I'm over here with Don't the worry. butterflies. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's been very clear all the way through, mate. So you're good, fine. good, good, good. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about the divide between abstinence and control, and sometimes for, for some people, a period of abstinence. Also, we've got a lot of people, for instance, like people who say, I could never control my drinking. I don't want for people, what I don't want for people in society is for them to say, I'm in recovery for the rest of my life and I can never be near that substance because I cannot control myself. That That's not a solution to society for me. I want to I want to heal people. I want to help the world, right? And I believe we can solve addiction. I believe that we can change neural pathways. We can change our environment. We can change our circumstances. I know we can regrow areas of the brain. So if we can do those things, then we can help people remove past addictive behaviors. Don't get me wrong. If somebody's waking up in the morning and pouring whiskey on their cornflakes every single day, it's going to be a bloody challenge for them to be able to control their drinking, right? But I want to believe that that is solvable yeah final question again just one more on this is you said beforehand you know we were talking about the different quadrants and sort of going at a thousand miles an hour and sometimes there are seasons in our life particularly as business owners where it's probably the right thing to do for a period of time if you're there living in that area the rest of your life it's not going to be great for you but taking the edge off stress that you may have that is not necessarily trauma related so just to play with this for a second totally. it's just, of course of it's course. just where it is stress so let's say yeah stress we're just busy right and we're yeah. doing we've got Family, big visions kids, missions whatever that is okay all of that. so so if if people have a pattern of taking the edge off with alcohol yeah and they say actually i don't want to do that anymore for the reasons you've they've gone through your program for example they've analyzed that are there any other things that people do you still want to somehow take the edge off. Totally there is. Of course. And, and I'm curious about where people where people go if they don't go to alcohol. Yeah, but this is this is the most important thing. So I've got some controversial ideas. We must change the drug that's available. Alcohol is totally shit. I'm sorry. It's a hundred percent poison. It is so bad for our bodies. It's so bad. Professor David Nutt was kicked out of the government for proving that it's the world's most harmful drug. Then he went to five other European countries funded by European Commission, improved exactly the same thing following the same modality. It is the world's most harmful drug. So alcohol is really shit. And we need better drugs. Do you know why? Because our society is incredibly stressful. And we do need something to take the edge off. So we're two parts. One, yes, we shouldn't be getting ourselves into that state, right, every single day where we need to take the edge off. And if we are exercising and meditating and using breath work and making sure that we're doing the right thing and all of those important, I basically say that these things are permission to play. If you want to achieve high performance, you must be doing these habits as a minimum. And that's why we track you. That's why we call you if you don't do them. I had a half a million turnover business guy and he goes, Ruri, we know we should be doing all these things, but it's just so hard to do them. But having you call us and kick us up the ass. And I said, I know I treat you all like toddlers. It's the best way. <laughs> so, so it, it is that kind of accountability that helps drive the habit and then, and then builds it in. So I think there's lots we can do to mitigate the feeling, the need to edge to take off. Like we shouldn't need to get there, but the truth is it's a crazy bloody world sometimes. And we want to take the edge off. And I just think two parts, one, which I, uh, I want to say to Rishi in person, but I never got the chance when I was at number 10 last week, um, I had to drop that one in. Um, but uh, is that, we need to significantly subsidize and offer funding to the alcohol industry to create um, alcosynth and alternatives and functional drinks. That's where the, the funding and the money and the investment should be going. And we should heavily tax alcohol. We can, we have the opportunity here to make a massive impact on, uh, impact on society by changing what we drink. And I think, honestly, I think alcohol-free doesn't necessarily cut it for everyone. I think we functional drinks is where the big, big, big money should be going. What, what so, just on that? What's a functional drink in your mind? 
Exactly. Well, it's a different style of drug. There are a number out there already. So okay. Trip in the UK is a wonderful CBD infu infused drink. There are now CBD infused beers to help you relax more and unwind for the many people who want to take the edge off. We know that CBD helps with that. Um, Professor David Nutt now has been working it with GABA Industries. GABA is the area of the brain or the uh, part of the brain um, enzyme in the brain that is affected by alcohol. So Sentia is his first launch, um, recently launched that three, four months ago, and that is aimed to give the two-drink buzz. Um, and that is where Brew is another one. Functional drinks is the future, it, absolutely. And wow. Then we won't get onto this because I know you like to keep your podcast short, but what's happening in psychedelics, that is the future. It's the future of helping people in addiction. It's the future of helping people in med in mental health. And I really think that there is going to be a convergence of other substances more available in society. Awesome. Well, Rory, this has been fascinating. Actually, I, fascinating in many ways. Actually, I didn't quite know your full story and the apprentice bit was funny. Um, but I also didn't realize how how you have scaled and changed, I suppose, is the way to say that the business model that you have yeah. to be much more kind of, I think, accessible yeah. um, to people um, and and the depth of it as well, which is fascinating. So, so for everyone who's been listening to this today, I think there's a few takeaways for me. One is, you know, we, as business owners, entrepreneurs, and there's a lot of investors in here, you know, this idea that alcohol is a thing that we have to be participating in to be accepted, um, to be able to perform. Well, there's enough evidence to suggest that that's not the case. And in fact, I've noticed a lot when I go out these days and do a lot of stuff in the US, there's a lot of people who just don't drink anymore, right? Yeah. Whereas it used to be the thing that you had to do. So I think if you're listening to this today and you're thinking, you know what, I'm not quite getting to where I want to get to. Things are starting to feel more challenging than they need to. And I often say with entrepreneurship, you don't want to make it any harder than it is. And mm. I think you touched on this, that alcohol and entrepreneurship doesn't work very well, particularly if it's, it's know, the number one, the one productivity increase you can do. It's the number one thing. I call it the keystone habit because it is holding back your other habits. Like, trust me, you've got issues in your marriage, you, you're struggling in your business or focus and you need to take it to the next level. Your fitness, your health, anything. Drop the booze first. Make it the number one. It should be the number one thing to do. And, you know, check out our challenges. We've got a 28-day challenge, a 90-day challenge. Give it a shot. Take a break. It, I guarantee you it will be the, one of the best things you can do for yourself. There we have it. Well, listen, Rory, how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in any of those programs? And obviously uh, the one, what was the one we spoke about? Quite a bit of detail today. Complete that was the, Control. Complete, complete control. control is a program. So it's all on the site, oneyearnobeer.com. I will just say, depending on when this comes out, that we are doing a funding round. We're doing a, um, a small convertible loan note round, which um, we put out to our investors and we're almost there. So um, that is amazing to be continually, uh, our members have, have basically invested in the business every single time we've we've needed cash. So we've never had to go out to the market, which is amazing. Um, so yeah, but uh, if anyone's interested, do get in touch, oneyearnobeer.com. And uh, you can reach me at Ruri at oneyearnobeer.com. Good luck spelling my first name. Rory, it's been a pleasure, <laughs> sir. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been a long time coming. Uh, great Thanks message. Me and it's Thank been you. a fun conversation. Good. Thanks for having me on, Nick. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.